Welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads, a podcast all about beer from a West Virginia perspective. I'm Aaron McCoy, here with my podcast partner, Charles Bakwe. When Aaron and I first visited Big Draft Brewing a year ago, they were just getting open. Their beer garden and other outdoor areas were still under construction. But even then, you could tell its impact on the town of White Sulphur Springs could be massive. It was the most impressive brewery, restaurant, and entertainment complex we'd ever seen in West Virginia. So recently, we traveled back to White Sulphur Springs to give the place a one-year checkup and find out how things are progressing at Big Draft. We talked with the brewers and the owners, and wow, it's probably even better than we could have imagined. So listen into this two-part program as we explore Big Draft Brewing's success. In the first segment, we'll talk with the brewing team, and in segment number two, we get a broader big-picture view of the overall business from two of the other founders. So, Aaron, take it away. Here we are today with brewmaster J.W. Grossclose and Dave Barron, head brewer. Welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming down, guys. Thanks for having us. Um, so I'm going to start with you, J.W. How would you describe the town's reaction to the, the new brewery? You know, it's been about a year since you've been open. What do you think? Honestly, it's, uh, it's been tremendous. Um, it's exceeded my expectations. You know, when we were planning this thing, I was shopping for a five or seven barrel brew system. I uh, couldn't find really anything on the used market that suited my taste. I uh, came across a good deal on the 10 barrel system. And after brewing on it for a year, I wish we'd have gone with a 20. Because uh, uh, the demand for our product is, is here. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to have to look at uh, maybe growing a little bit. So great reaction to the town. Sure, yeah. Absolutely. Do you have anything to add, Dave? Uh, just pretty much the same thing. Um, we've exceeded uh, what our expectations were. And, I mean... I guess the sky's the limit with this thing, and we're going to take as far as we can. That's exciting. Well, guys, let's go back for a minute to where you began with your beer menu a year ago when things opened up. Tell me a little bit about where you began, and then we'll go on and talk later about how things have progressed. Sure. We had intentions uh, to have at least six and hopefully eight beers um, available on draft when we opened the doors. Construction was lagging, you know. We were behind schedule with this build-out by f- a few months. Um, and so w- once we finally got all the utilities in place uh, that we needed to brew with, the three-phase power, everything hooked up, the, the water hooked up, and the um, gas hooked up, you know, this building required just a, a tremendous amount of natural gas. Oh, I'm sure it's large. Yeah. And um, so anyway, once that, all that was in place, uh, we, we fired the kettles. And uh, I think we brewed for three and a half weeks, and we had to open the doors. Um, and so, you know, you, you never want to uh, open a, a brand-new craft beer, brewery, or at least I didn't, with just three beers on draft. <laughs> um, but we did, and it, it was fine. You know, we, we have good relationships with a lot of brewers and breweries around the state. And so at that point, um, we decided, well, let's bring in guest taps. And so we did. Uh, we opened with three of our own beers and I think 13 guest taps. And then, uh, you know, people loved it. The feedback from the public was like, oh, it's so neat that you guys included all these breweries from around the state. 
Yeah, those three beers, Aaron, that's when you and I first visited here about that's a right. year ago. They, that's right. They were opening just with those three beers. Yes. Then things progressed uh, quickly, quickly, I'm sure, because you had a lot of beer in the tank back then. It just wasn't quite ready for the tap. And uh, So, yeah, take us on through how quickly things progressed in the first year. Yeah, as far as um, expanding our beer offerings, you know, honestly, it was a lot slower still than, than what I expected. Um, people rather quickly became attached at the hip to their favorites. <laughs> and uh, so, honestly, I think um, uh, the, of the three beers we opened with, uh, Savon Saison ran out. Uh, we rebrewed it. And aside from that one, any beer that we've brought on draft, we haven't run out of yet. Um, it's because uh, it's not for lack of selling it. It's for, you know, to, to meet the demand right. uh, from, from the folks that, that have grown attached to, to these particular styles. So I would like to, to, have, bro- to have brewed 40 different recipes by now. Um, the 15 you see are the 15 that we've brewed um, since we've been here, so regularly, those are the only labels. Yeah, yeah and that, sure. that, that's pretty amazing and pretty uh-huh. unusual for a brewery today. I mean, not that you you've only done fifteen beers, but that you're pretty much still selling all the fifteen beers that you make. Sure. Well, you know, we've rebrewed them too. That's not just one brew; well, it's sure, multiple sure. brews. Oh, yeah. of course. Sure. Dave Barron, let me get you in this conversation about how things have progressed in the brewing and as a from a head brewer's perspective a little bit about uh beer style adjustments that you've made as you've rebrewed these beers um honestly charles we haven't made many adjustments there's maybe two or three of our beers that we've made very slight adjustment on and that could be when it comes down to sour stuff and it's pureed stuff or um just whatever we're dealing with raw materials like um the um watermelon goes that you're drinking um just depends if it's watermelon season or not Um, yeah seasonal i'm sure that's a challenge but i mean pretty much all the beers that we're putting out now i mean recipes are pretty solid and we're just going to stick with what we got right now there may be some minor adjustments here and there but i mean i'm not foreseeing anything crazy coming up down the line well, one of the things that is often a challenge for brewers is developing your own brewing signature. Like you don't want to be like everybody else, obviously. You want to stand out. So how do you do that? I'll start with you, JW. For us, I think when, when we sit down to create a new recipe, um, I start at the end and work my way backwards okay. mentally. Um, you know, where our, where our model is to bring um, people to our tap room. Uh, we want to we want to sell 80 or 90 percent of all the beer we brew out of our own faucets and so to do that we we have to keep drinkability um, at the apex of you know what this beer is and so if you look at our menu you know the highest ABV beer that we brew in in house is our double IPA Mm -hmm. it's seven and a half and that lies at rides at the very low end of what a double IPA is right Um, and so you know the, the thought is is just to brew remarkably drinkable beer um, with the hope that people buy five or six instead of two or three. Sure. Um, so that that's where, where I land as far as what we brew or, or a signature style, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just something drinkable, true to style, and maybe just throw in a little something in there that um, makes it unique. And that could vary 
from style to style. For instance, the ESB that I brew um, is remarkably true to style. Um, however, I do um, throw in Simcoe in the Whirlpool, uh, an American hop, just to give it a little more uh, sabang. A little signature. Yeah. What about you, Dave? How do you like to, or how would you like to try to stand out as you're, as you're brewing or thinking about brewing beers? I'm just staying consistent with our recipes and basically <clears throat> from the time the beer's brewed, I mean, even before we start milling in, just hitting our processes at the same time every mm -hmm. time um temperatures um dry hop schedules drop schedules just everything to basically babysit that beer all the way along consistency and make sure key. it turns out the same every single time because people will pick you apart on that one. Oh, i'm sure I, so, I can imagine yeah we just want consistency across the board right and that i can see where it would be a challenge at times well i'd like to get a read on uh your customers preferences i mean you've developed a lot of customers because you're selling a lot of beer so maybe uh you could give me a read on what's been popular or most popular here at the brew pub dave we'll start with you our most popular style right now is our foreman blue collar american lager um straight out the gate it took over most of your um Bud Light drinkers, Mick Ultra drinkers that come in-house, and we kind of converted them over with this beer. And I think for a while there, it was showing maybe close to 55% of our sales. Wow. Tap wow, room, that's a lot. Right off the start. Man. Well, and, uh, let me interrupt here then, and let's let's taste this beer while you're talking about it. Sure. I think we have some here. Sure, we could do let that. Let me uh, let Aaron open this can. And we'll pour just a little bit here as we go. And go ahead, Dave. But, uh, yeah, like I was saying, um, I think it was somewhere in, like, 55% of our, our taproom sales. And, like I said, that's not when we had all our beers on tap. And now that we've got all our beers on tap, um, that's gone down a little bit. Sure, but sure, sure. That that beer is still a front runner week in and week out. Um, Talk it's, about what do you think it is that customers like about this beer. You know? it, like Jay says, the drinkability and oh, yeah. the comparison just to something light and easy that they could drink. And, I mean, it's not very hoppy. And a lot of folks look for that. They just like that true style lager beer. I'm, I'm going to chime in here real fast and sure. say this is very clean and crisp. And I can absolutely see why your customers, your, you, you can talk customers that maybe aren't craft beer fans into trying this and then them liking it because it is easy to drink. Sure. Um, you know, a lot of folks new to craft beer or uh, small breweries um, have this preconceived notion that uh, craft beer is dark beer or craft beer is bitter beer. Um, and so we've used it as an educational tool uh, to say, you know, we can brew beer that tastes like beer. Mm -hmm. uh, the, you know, this that isn't beer, heavy. And, yeah, yeah, sure. So that's how I describe this to people when I'm out at the tents or at a booth. Um, if you're looking for a beer that, that you may have stole off your uncle when you were you know, 12 <laughs> years old, this, this one's it. Um, so, um, yeah, but we, like Dave said, we take um, a lot of pride in, in the, the attention to detail um, while it's lagering in the tank. Um, we carbonate this one a little higher so that it's more crisp. Uh, we mash it a little lower so that it dries out. Um, and, you know, uh, just babysit this thing, and, and people uh, have no complaints with it. What I'm liking 
what I'm hearing here is the things you do to make this beer so attractive and drinkable. I mean, it's not just any beer you make can be that way. It's, uh, you've given it a lot of thought. As a brewer, how have you responded to the rise in popularity of the hazy, juicy IPA and fruited kettle sours? Start with you, Dave. Sure. Um, well, as far as a hazy, juicy IPA, um, we don't have one on the menu. <laughs> and um, Jay and I go back and forth with it. Um, and there's other folks in the building, like part of our culinary staff, that want to see them. And I think the hoppy beers that we got on draft right now, I mean just make up enough to just not even have a hazy beer on right now so you're now not gonna our, jump into that no i mean i we may but i mean we may not and what? our uh our white ipa i mean could sort of fit in that category um but i mean like like you've seen you just had one before and that thing's clear as a bell now it is so. it's, it was delicious <laughs> yeah. but you didn't talk about the the sours you feel i assume the I'll same let, way I'll about let the Jay sours. jump on that one i mean we're gonna we're gonna stick with sours everybody loves sours well i love sours and yeah. so yeah he does <laughs> um if we didn't have sours on draft um and now in cans um i'd be blowing all my money on sours at the gas station so we have to <laughs> brew sours uh so i don't go broke buying them we like to brew beer that we like to drink. Um, but, yeah, so <clears throat> we'll continue to keep sours. I have big plans for some sours. Um, if we ever get to a point where some of these recipes um, slow down. Uh, to Some a, of the 15 existing. Some the, yeah, some of the 15 to a creep, and we, we want to uh, just remove them or make them a seasonal. Um, we'll, uh, we'll add some more sours um, to the menu. And as far as hazies go, um, you know, I've had several great hazies. I'm not opposed to them. Well, I like simplicity in our uh, ingredient cover, especially when it comes to yeast. Um, and so my big thing is for our L's, um, aside from, you know, our, our Saison's or Belgian beers, um, I want to have a house L strand. Uh, we could get real complex with our L inventory, our yeast uh, library. Right. Uh, I don't really want to. Um, so that's one of the reasons I I've, um, don't go with the hazies. Um, I do like to make juicy IPAs, however. So with just a, you know tremendous dry hops and bio-fermentation, uh, dry hopping you know, at high crossing, um, and then late kettle hop additions, Whirlpool, right. uh, we can get real juicy characters out of our hoppy beers mm -hmm. and still have them drop clear, which in, you know, I take pride in clear beer. Yeah, and I think the reason that we asked that question about, you know, how you guys react as a brewery to the, the trends, the most popular trends, and, you know, the hazies in the last four or five years have really grown and, and kind of, I wouldn't say taken over, but they've certainly become a huge part of the IPA market. And sometimes brewers, you know, just follow the trends. Other times you make trends. And I think I'm hearing you're trying to, do what you do well and that you're not as concerned with just the latest greatest thing jw yeah i mean you know um there's something to be said for trends and following trends um i think that um you know if we stick with what we know um to be good and stick with what's true to our style then no one's going to complain about 
our hoppy beers. We've, we've got four beers on draft right now that um, suit the palates of most uh, hop heads that come in here. So we sell enough of it. If it stops selling, we may go back to the drawing board and look at the, the hazy idea. Well, I think that what hazy IPAs have shown is that uh, IPAs with low bitterness are what has become popular or are grown greatly in popularity, not that the more bitter ones aren't. But the same as the, the kettle sours that Aaron was asking about, they're very low bitterness. And what they've done is open up a whole new market of people who aren't hop. I mean, they're hop fans, but they're not bitterness fans. Right. I mean, you know, and that's the trend, it seems, that's hit the nation on that. And it just has expanded the, beer, the overall beer market. And I'm not saying that's exactly what you see in West Virginia, because we all have micro markets. I mean, you're here in White Sulphur Springs. You know, I'm in Charleston. You see different things, you know, in the local populations, I, I guess, you know, to some extent. But I'd like to have your read a little bit on where you think the market is today in West Virginia. Let's forget that. As a whole, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and what you see is some of the upcoming, uh, what, have you seen any trends that are showing certain beers you've made have picked up as people became familiar with them, they've grown. And have enjoyed them. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to start with you, JW. Okay. Uh, yeah, so again, uh, to reiterate, drinkability, I think, is everything, right? Um, that, that bitterness is great if you're probably the minority. Um, not that really hoppy double or triple IPAs aren't delicious. It's just mm -hmm. uh, not a lot of people. Sure. A ton of people are going to love them. Sure. Um, and so what I've seen in West Virginia that I think um, may be true is that we're riding uh, about five years behind oh, yeah. the trend uh, nationally. And so it looks like what's popular right now in Colorado and California will probably be popular here in about five years. <laughs> and so I look at that as honestly an advantage, right? It gives us a crystal ball. Well, it does, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I mean, good loggers, you know, these traditional logger styles, these German logger styles have been around for centuries, and there's a reason. They're really good. Um, so that's what's popular now, I think. And, you know, the, some of these sour beers, the barrel-aged stuff. Uh, I think a lot of the Virginia brewery, breweries that um, a few years back moved into a barrel house or a sour house or sour program maybe a little prematurely. Um, I think now's the time probably <laughs> that it's, it's, getting, it's getting primed for it. I know right. Sam at Weatherground is doing a ton of barrel stuff, a ton of sour stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, he doesn't have any trouble uh, moving it. Um, so, you know, that, that kind of stuff is, um, is coming out. But, you know, I think here in West Virginia or Colorado, California, Munich, Germany, um, I think the key is just good beer. Yeah, just drinkability. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, you know, lagers becoming more popular at craft breweries. I mean, mm -hmm. they've always certainly been property with Bud Miller Coors. But uh, now we're starting to see around the country a great explosion in, in, in high-quality Loggers, pilsners coming out of craft breweries. You guys certainly just mentioned the Foreman beer, the Foreman lager that you make. Uh, maybe Dave, could you tell me a little bit about your thoughts on lager making here in, in, in White Sulphur Springs? Um, that's funny you asked that, Charles, because uh, 
We were originally going to call this uh, the Logger House. Oh, is <laughs> the name? That's the name. Oh, wow. Okay. At, at Big Draft Brewing. But um, we have a handful of loggers on draft. And like our, uh, our fest beer, our Mars, and um, people just kept knocking down the door for it. And usually that's a seasonal beer. And Jay looked at me the one day. He said, I think we need to rebrew it. And I said, let's just call it all year fest beer. <laughs> and nice. I was up at Snowshoe this weekend and people were, they were going crazy over it. Um, so yeah, lager beer, I mean, it's just, they're easy to drink and people love them. I mean, so with that being said, I mean, we'll stick with a handful of lagers all the time here. Yeah. Keep people happy. And let me ask about your lagers. Uh, do you plan to uh, make them all malt, or will there be adjuncts uh, lagers as well, like with corn or something else? Um, one thing we do use in our foreman here is we use a little bit of flake maize, um, and we're double batching that all the time now because of the high demand of it. Um, so we're doing some flake corn in it, um, and that's really the only beer that we do use something in like that. But all our other lagers are just, it's all malt. Well, let's, let's kind of shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about future beer directions. I know you guys have talked about, you know, what you're sure. brewing, what, what you continue to brew, but, but future beer directions, meaning brewery expansion plans, distribution. Let's, let's talk about that crystal ball again, JW, and tell me, what, do, what does the future hold? What do you see on the horizon as far as expansion or distribution goes? Yeah, so un- unfortunately... Um, <clears throat> We, I didn't have the foresight to properly assess our market, um, and I missed it. Um, I guess I under, underestimated um, what what we would be able to do out of White Sulphur Springs. Um, so we need more tanks. I think we can quadruple our current capacity with our existing brew house. Okay. The trouble is um, finding somewhere to stick those suckers. Uh, so we're, you know, we're bouncing ideas back and forth, but we need to add a few more tanks for sure. We intend to do it. Um, it'll probably happen in the winter where we see a lull in uh, demand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a good time to, to build uh, or expand. And so <clears throat> we're going to make a plan here in the summer through the fall and uh, look, look to uh, secure some, some additional uh, storage. But it'll be in house, as you said. It's going to be in your existing building, your existing yeah, facility, I think so. most I mean, likely. Yeah. So this thing I, it needs to always be a production facility. Sure. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, right now um, we're allowed to only have one in the state, and so you know this thing's got to be here. Right. So yeah, we're 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 hoping the state will uh, eventually allow us to expand this model to other West Virginia. Um, markets mm-hmm. um, because it's a proven model and uh, if it works here it would work in a lot of sure. other towns uh, i think we've proven we're good at it and um uh we'd like to make it happen dave um will you t- touch a little bit on distribution so so you guys have some cans now yeah it's exciting yeah we we stepped up and now we're in cans um <clears throat> we just finally got trained we, our can line landed about what month and a half ago oh very new two months ago and we had to wait a whole entire month to be trained on it um so yeah we're putting cans out now um we set up set up several accounts and that 
goes back to what Jay was saying about um, us having to expand a little bit. We're going to need more tank space so we can get the cans out to the folks that we need to get them to. But this is self-distribution. Yes, ma'am. So, so you guys are handling it yourselves with sales and yes. and, and delivery, et cetera. It's all on our shoulders. And as, as you're doing self-distribution, you now have cans, as we said, and label art. Do you have a local person doing your can art or, or uh, yeah. who's handling that? The gentleman that they just put in the art studio right behind us in this square back here, um, Craig Rieger, he does all our can art right now nice so yeah nice. we got somebody real close here very good well we, we are excited that you guys are in cans yeah and let me ask uh one of you whoever wants to take this one um talk through your cans like what is in a can now what can we find it here in the brewery or in distinguish maybe if you are selling them at other accounts other retail accounts yeah so uh currently just because of um, local uh, orders, pre-orders, uh, when, when some businesses near us found out we were going to have beer in cans, they jumped in early. So the beer that's currently available in cans are the beers that they wanted, and it's Sudsy's Extra Pale Ale, uh, the Foreman American Lager, and uh, our Bellini <coughs> Berliner Weiss. We also have 16-ounce uh, cans of our Czech Amber Lager Bow Red, um, but the idea here, now that we've been trained on our uh, purchase of our canning line, or our new canning line, is to can off a few barrels of every turn, every batch we brew. And so here within the next couple months, uh, assuming our artists can keep up with our production, um, we'll have... Uh, We'll have every beer that's on the menu available in cans. So all 15? Yeah, at, at least um, for a limited time. Like sure, I said, our sure. focus still is to um, uh, sell a lot of beer off draft here. Mm -hmm. uh, so a barrel or two is going to be about you know 25 cases of beer from each turn. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea, again, is to sell that those cans out of here for people to take home with sure them. when they come visit that's yeah. great uh so yeah we want we want our um retail fridges stocked up mm -hmm. with uh, a selection if you if you tasted the beer here you ought to be able to take it with you that's right yeah and as a craft beer fan that's what we all want to do for sure have it at the source bring it home with you well there's 15 beer 15 beers on your menu today and uh and that's where you're probably going to keep it for the summer so I'd like for each of you, and I'm going to start with Dave Barron, uh, to mention like one beer that we haven't already talked about that you might want just to tell the market about that particular beer and what's wonderful about it. We just had a real big uh, response out of a beer that we call Spa City White IPA. Um, and as you know, Charles, White IPA is kind of a, like, it's not a huge category right now, and it's just kind of something that came about not too long ago. Um, so I've been, I made one years back and been wanting to make it, and Jay finally looked at me and said, get in there and throw down on it. We put it out, um, what are we in, about a month now since we packaged, and we've had to rebrew it already. Wow. Um, we're getting ready to put it back in this new batch in packaging, and we'll run some cans off it, I'm sure. But uh, we're getting a response from folks that come in here. They're not IPA fans. Um, and we explain to them how this beer was brewed and the yeast strain we use. We're using Belgian yeast in it. And that just brings out different esters 
fruity esters that marry well with the hop characters in it. Um, and we're turning some folks into IPA drinkers now. Nice. So, yeah. I mean, it's just something totally different for them. And I don't know how many people I've had come up to me and they say, we're not hot people, but that white IPA is fantastic. Yeah, and because this is uh, an unusual style or not a real common one, and certainly in the West Virginia market, right. you know, I mean, the way I understand a white IPA is it has some wheat in the grain bill, and it and like you said, it was brewed with a, a Belgian yeast too. Explain a little bit about that. Yeah, there's wheat in the grain bill, um, and a lot of things I've read about and stuff I've seen is people just use. Um, malted wheat and they'll they'll use two row um i decided to go with all pilsner malt and we did uh some wheat and jay looked at me the one day i had on an order sheet for flaked wheat <laughs> and he said why flaked wheat i said why not <laughs> like let's try something <laughs> let's just put this in here done it once and came out great so flaked i mean it is that's what we came out with nice excellent beer all right, so J-Dub, what's a beer that you would like to talk about, maybe feature a little bit? Yeah, so um, probably one of the beers I think that I'm most proud of, um, and it really is a kind of a dark horse in our lineup. It's overlooked. Uh, we don't sell a whole lot of it, but it's one that I get positive feedback consistently from very well-traveled people, mm -hmm. folks that have been to Europe and, you know, bounced around the country and, and know good beer. Uh, it's, it's our Dry Creek ESB. Uh, so uh, dr the Dry Creek ESB is, is a beer that um, uh, I'm really proud of and I think really holds true to the style, super drinkable. Um, I think the reason why uh, it doesn't sell is the name. And so I'm um, I'm getting ready to change the name of that beer, I think. <laughs> uh, you know, people say, what's an ESB? And they say extra special bitter. And they say, I don't want a bitter beer, even though it's not bitter, you know. Um, so I'm thinking about changing it to uh, a mild or English pub beer or something along that nature. But it's a very good beer, and I recommend everyone uh, have a proper pint. All right, Dave and JW, is there anything that you guys would like to add? I don't think I have anything to add right now. Um, glad you guys came down today and um it's always great to have you guys down here yeah thanks again and uh, just come see us um we don't make it out of white silver springs a whole lot um it's it's one of those things that um you know it's we're fo it's dave and i doing a lot of the work here in the brewery and so come festival time um it's rare if we get outside but um we promise that uh, we'll provide a great uh imbibe experience for you uh and chances are real good that you'll probably catch a sweet show while you're here um yep yeah, so come see us all right well we're going to wrap this segment up and thank you guys thank you jw thank you dave for being with us today on west virginia beer roads and we're going to be back just in a minute with two of the founding owners and talk more about the business side of Big Draft Brewing. West Virginia Beer Roads is a production of BrilliantStream.com. And if you enjoy keeping up with the West Virginia beer market, check out our website and follow Brilliant Stream on social media. 
Also, please subscribe to the West Virginia Beer Roads podcast on your favorite podcast host. And now let's go back to Aaron, who's with two of Big Draft Brewing's founding owners. Aaron? We're here with Clay Elkins and Dave Bostick of Big Draft Brewing. Welcome. Hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Good to see everybody. <laughs> yes. Thanks for uh, coming again. We love having you guys here. So Yeah. So, guys, uh, it must have been quite a different experience for you from your uh, regular business background to open a brewery in White Sulphur Springs. And I'm curious how you guys have divided up your responsibilities. And, Dave, I'll start with you. Okay, great. Yeah, it, it's been uh, quite an adventure for us. So, you know, we have hospitality backgrounds. We know restaurants. We know hotels. We know a lot of things, uh, mainly a lot of things about drinking beer. But... Um, actually <laughs> opening a brewery and um, be no understanding the production side of it and the sales side of it, labeling, I mean, packaging, you name it. It's just, it's mind-blowing. And it is a lot. It is mind-blowing. Um, so, you know, for me and my background, I focus uh, more on the day-to-day, the front of the house with the wait staff and, and the menu and working with the kitchen to coordinate all that. Um, and, you know, Clay kind of steps in on um, he's got such a great talent for you know and he can tell you what he what he does but the details and the relationships with marketing and sales and 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 those kind of things uh, I'll leave for Clay to talk about yeah so bit. Clay you pick up your responsibilities here hey thanks a lot I uh, right now I mean and it changes just about weekly sort of what we're <laughs> focusing on and based on different projects and uh, based on different things that are going on well it'll change pretty regularly on what we're focusing on Right now, with us starting to increase our distribution, I'm working a lot with J-Dub to try to make sure the volume that we're trying to sell and what we're selling to sell the right product to make sure we're not running out in the actual tap room. Right. Uh, also, we're going to start building some new relationships as we are, start thinking about our distribution footprint and how to expand into those new regions uh, properly and smartly, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, so, and a lot of events. I focus a lot on the event side of it as well and tie in events in with the food and beverage team and Dave's team and whatnot. So, because those work hand in hand together, um, but it's also the two different beasts. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Looking back over the first year, what stands out most to you, Dave? We'll start with you. No, absolutely. Thank you. The uh, our success and the overall level of quality on the product, from the beer to the food to the service to the experience, is just it's mind blowing. And we we have a great. Um, skilled and experienced staff mm-hmm. and it, it really shows and when you come in it feels like we've been established for years where we've just been open almost a year now right and it just you, you don't feel that way and the atmosphere has just been amazing the community support content it never ended you know we opened road hogs next door um, three years ago now um, and they, the support just never ended. The excitement's still there. The growth of the town's still there. It's just, you know, it's surprising. I, I can't say it's surprising. Actually, it doesn't surprise me at all <laughs> <laughs> that the, the, the way that we've grown and the support that we've had. Yeah, and I just want to jump in here quickly to say that Roadhogs is a barbecue restaurant that, that was the original part of this big project mm-hmm. you guys yeah, had together. But it's, mm-hmm. I guess, separate still from the brewery proper. And, uh, it's it a business, is. a freestanding restaurant. Yes, yeah. sir. Thank you. Yeah. What about you, Clay? What stands out for you the most in the last year? It's it's crazy. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, like Dave said, the level of support from the community it it doesn't it does surprise me because it doesn't stop. 
uh, it keeps going and the community has been great. And not just the White Sulphur Springs community or the Greenbrier Valley community, right. but people from Charleston and Huntington. I mean, the, just the support for new businesses and uh, town revitalization has really been great. Um, but I think looking back probably over the past year, one of the things, I mean, is every day we learn something new. Uh, learn something new and probably even adjust based on it. <laughs> right. Because we came into it with a set plan. But how, how, do you, how the hell do you come up with a plan for, <laughs> for a business that's, that's really this dynamic sure. with music and beer and food in a town that is changing so much? Um, I mean, just looking at the Dandelion Festival a couple weeks ago, the most they had had at that festival in the past couple of years, we probably tripled that this year. And so how do you plan for that when you don't know? Right. And, uh, and then the Dry Creek Music and Arts Festival that was this past weekend, it was the first event, and we probably had 2,500 people come through. Wow, that's, awesome. a, that's a lot. Yeah. Well, Dave, awesome. I want to ask you, what has the success of Big Draft Brewing meant to the town of White Sulphur Springs? Oh, wow. You know, how has it changed <laughs> things here? Um, not, not much has changed, I'm kidding. Look around you, every, every store at one point in this town was empty. You know, every, there was no activity. There was nobody parking in the parking spots. There was um, no drive-through traffic. There was no reason for anybody to be in White Sulphur Springs. And for me, you know, I got family heritage in White Sulphur Springs. My sure. grandparents, my great-grandparents, you know, my parents. Um, so for me, um, Bones Diner, which was Roadhogs now, was the place. And so um, specifically Big Draft and the footprint that we have created two, three, four hours away as far as demographic marketing and just getting people to come here. I can't, it's immeasurable what it means to me to watch this town succeed now the way that it has. I mean, the schoolhouse hotel, you take an old high school and turn it into a 30-room you know, hotel. And, I mean, literally every single storefront on Main Street in White Silver Springs is open, thriving, and full. And, again, that's customer um, or community support sure um, but we are a beacon uh, for not only business owners but government um, travel tourism recreation I mean it's it's a big deal and we didn't we didn't under I don't think we planned or understood the effect we just wanted to create a cool brewery with an awesome atmosphere and start to rebuild our small town here and uh I'm, I'm, and you're teary, watching I'm getting teary. I just think about it. And we're watching it happen. Yeah, that's I mean, got to be great. It's, it's yeah. amazing. That's one of the things that small breweries do excel at, mm -hmm. and that's uh, helping revitalize uh, mm -hmm. areas. Uh, All right, so Clay, same, same question for you. What has the success of Big Draft Brewing meant to the town of White Sulphur Springs, and how has it changed it? That is a great question. I mean, it's early morning right now. When, when I'm sitting here to do this, and I've already gotten three texts from people over the weekend saying thank you for what we did this past weekend. And that's three community members who have said, who've recognized that we have put our lives on the line to help create a bigger thing than just a brewery. Mm -hmm. That they've appreciated the, the, the first rock in the pond to, to get the waves going. And it's been really, uh, I mean, it's very appreciated by the community. Well, Dave, let's talk a little bit about the restaurant operations. Maybe describe, start out by describing the type of service you offer. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we often, we have a few restaurants here, as you guys know, but here specifically in Big Draft, um, we have, it's a full service restaurant, which I think a, a lot of people don't understand that. They, they say, oh, it's a brewery. It's got to have a pub menu or a, a burger menu or a, this kind of menu. But we have uh, trained chefs that come up with just phenomenal 
um, edible foods. You know, you know, it goes great with the quality wet goods that um, Dave and JW create for us. And uh, you know, it's steaks from Mountain Steer, which is a local um, meat company. Um, our short ribs um, as well. We've got flatbreads. Um, we're, we've got just rolling into a summer menu now. Um, shareable things, so you can come and just bite some, you know, a little bit of here or there, throw some cornhole. Um, so we try to create that atmosphere through the menu, um, but the food is phenomenal. We've got a, we've got a pretzel that's as big as a basketball. I guess if that, I don't know how you would describe it. <laughs> I've seen pictures Four, of that yeah, pretzel. It's Fourteen <laughs> inches. Um, it's just huge, uh, and it, so we we like to do the shareables. Uh, we've got a concession uh, trailer that we have now called Banger Burrito. Um, and that thing travels everywhere, but it's just huge Appalachian-style burritos. Um, I guess it meets uh, Tex-Mex a little bit because uh, obviously it's burritos, but it goes great with beer. Um, it goes great with our outdoor, with our fire pits and music. Um, so, Yeah, so what are a couple of the dishes you would think are most popular with your customers? Oh, wow. Um, so our French dip sandwich is, is one of the favorite um, here. It's just a, a big sandwich loaded down with meat. Um, the flatbreads are always a winner. The summer flatbread is new. Um, just, you know, we like to go seasonal to bring it in, use local when we can. Um, but our menu has, has been a hit. Yeah. What do you think, Clay? Well, yeah, Clay, uh, you got a restaurant background too. Uh, I'm just curious your thoughts on that and also maybe if, you could mention one dish or two that you think are maybe most often overlooked menu items but are just dynamite good one of the, the things like dave says most people expect it to be pub food pub pub grub mm-hmm. but it's really it's an awesome menu and one of my favorites is the grilled romaine salad uh it's a nice light summery salad add some steak or some shrimp to it and it's perfect uh the other thing that I, I knew it would be a big seller, but I didn't realize how much people would love it, was, is our nachos. Just a big pile of <laughs> chips with cheese. You can add some steak to it, some it salsa. It's great with beer. But it's perfect, and you can sit around. And, and then the other thing that's great, I mean, I had one uh, the other night, and it's just a, it's the chef's amazing board. And it's mm-hmm. meat, it's cheese, it's some fruit, some jam, some crackers, and it's just a great way to sit out in the, in the beer garden and snack and have a beer. Well, those all sound scrumptious guys <laughs> and uh but let's shoot for a minute to get a couple of the maybe upcoming things anything new items for the summer that you'd like to to focus on or let people know about um yeah absolutely so menu wise you know we talk about um big draft um specific here in the tap room um i know that the one thing people have been screaming for is a cuban um and and so <laughs> It, they sc- it, they're screaming, they're screaming for the Cuban. for the Cuban to come back. Um, and, you know, oh, so it was an item you had. And- it, yes, okay. it was gone. It's coming back. Um, and just keeping some of the fra- favorites like the Reuben on there and, and those kind of things. But one thing we're also working on, exciting, this is really the first time we're talking about it. Um, so you guys get an exclusive here. Hey, um, we like that. So up front, we have the Cross Creek Cafe, which is a sandwich shop currently. Right. And our goal is to turn that into Big Draft Bistro. And so growing our footprint with Big Draft, right? Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, it is. So up there, we're, it'll, be, it'll be a nice menu going a la carte, table service. Um, we'll keep some sandwiches on there because people do like those quick service sandwiches. Um, but we're also going to be adding some favorites from our executive chef, uh, Hunter Spag. Uh, he's got family heritage here. And his grandfather 
had a concession. Um, it was called uh, Al Sab's Pizzeria, I believe is the name. And it, so the slogan was "Baby's crying, Mama's buying Al Sab's uh, pizza pies." <laughs> That's something like that. It's uh, absolutely classic. Uh, but we're bringing some of his favorites in: the Philly cheesesteak, uh, nice sausage smothered with onions and peppers, and they did you know like a eight-inch personal pan pizza. Uh, so adding that fun stuff up front with just we're still working through the concept, but that's the direction we're going. So. Looking forward to that. Yeah, Do you have a awesome. target date as far as when you think you might be up and running officially? <laughs> Sooner than later. We, do, we don't yet. So we're still playing in the menu. We've, uh, you know, our, if you go up front, you'll see we we support local artists. You can see our doors from Matt Boland and some other artists. And we just laid out a bunch of art up front and just kind of gave the room a new life. Um, so we'll continue to do that. And... Uh, I don't know, Clay, maybe you can throw a date out there because it's, it's an urgent matter for us. It's sure. something we really want to happen. July 15th. Clay says July 15th. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> that's pretty quick. Why and, not? And, Let's go and throw a date. That's and, pretty quick. And that's for the Big Draft Bistro? Yes. Right? Big, Big Draft, Draft Bistro. Bistro. Looking forward to that. That's, that's really exciting. Cool. You're not going to get rid of the coffee in the morning, though. No. We're, we're still working through concepts, but... Um, you know, the cool thing is we've got Tootsie's right across the street. She's got some amazing coffee. So if it does happen, uh, we know that you'll be in good hands with, uh, with Kennedy and that group. So, Well, one thing that really stands out at Big Draft is the music venue. Um, give us a rundown on the types of spaces that you have and how you program them. So, Clay, I think you're going to take this one to begin with. I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will say music we're we're all learning the music business sure. right now as we're going along. And we work a lot with Charlie Hatcher, who helps us do our, our booking and looking to see what's working, what's not working, what's the right direction to go to. And our first show was Jocelyn and the Sweet Compression. Mm-hmm. And that was really before we were officially open in the brewery. The tap room wasn't open. And, uh, and we said, man, this is what it's all about. When you get some great music, you get people in there dancing, you get some beer flowing. People were having a blast. And that's how you create memories. And uh, Sure. Yeah, music in our event v- venues are amazing. It's been pretty cool to see how music has su- played such an important part in the brewery and, and the life here. Because a lot of the way I feel about food and memories is when you go and next time you have that a big draft beer, it'll say, man, you remember the first time we went down to the brewery? And so when they're back in their own hometown or home city, they're going to say, let's pick up some big draft beer. And that way it takes them right back to the memory. But our first show was Jocelyn and the Sweet Compression. We had just opened up here, and they were in the, our, our true music venue. We have our own sound system in, our own light board, great system, so that bands can really plug and play, and they're ready to rock. And it's really for national touring acts we're growing into. Uh, here soon we want to be the best-known music uh, performance venue or music venue in West Virginia. Well, you have the, the outdoor space, which is probably the nicest of any brewery in West Virginia. It, it, and that's, I assume that stage out there you're using for music programming, too. We absolutely are. This weekend we had one, two, five different bands on it throughout the weekend, from Rebirth Brass Band on Friday night, Wayne Graham, uh, Wolfpin Branch, John R. Miller, and then we had Shamar Allen, and that show was amazing. I, I swear that's been probably the best show that's been in White Sulphur Springs ever. Fantastic. 
I wonder if you could give us a quick review of some of the well-received events that you've put on over the past few months. Absolutely. There's been a lot of great music that's come through here from some of the great local talents like Chad Nickel and the Loose Change has brought some great energy to Jocelyn, the Sweet Compression out of Kentucky. Mm -hmm. uh, we've also had some amazing bluegrass bands. And since people are still learning that we're a great music destination, not mm -hmm. just for beer, we're still getting the word out on music and it's growing. Every show we get, we're getting more and more folks driving in just for the music. Well, uh, Arlo McKinley was one of our most uh, recognized or sold shows yet that we've had. And we had people driving three hours just to see his show and then turn around and drive back afterwards. Oh, wow. Well, let's focus now on some upcoming shows. What's coming up for the summer? We've got a lot of great music lined up for this summer coming up and into the fall, really. We're already starting to book into November and December. But for this summer, we've got the Larry Kill Experience. We've got the John Stickley Trio. And what's fun, too, is we also do the West Virginia Jazz Orchestra is going to be here on July 2nd doing a show on the outdoor stage. So you can sit out here in the afternoon getting ready to celebrate the birthday of America, have a beer, and listen to some great music. That's exciting. But then that night, we're turning it over to a smaller band that's more regionally known, Independent State, and it's going to be just a fun day. So that's what's cool is we do a wide range of things. Mm -hmm. But then one day in December, we've got the Greenbrier Valley Theater coming over here and taking their Christmas show on the road, and they're going to do a performance in our indoor venue. Well, guys, a uh, lot going on here. Uh, a lot already happened. The first year has been so busy when you add up all the beers that have been brewed, all the restaurant meals that have been served, and then all the tickets sold for these music events. Wow, is that really adding something that you never would have guessed? Or who knew this could happen in White Sulphur Springs? I mean, we'd love to have this in Charleston. We have nothing yes. close to this in Charleston, West Virginia. But... I just want you to just for a second as we wrap this up, maybe get out your crystal ball and, and, and tell us uh, any future plans or where you think you'd like to be and down the road in a, in a few years with this operation. I want to be in overalls. <laughs> <laughs> that was Clay, for those of you wondering. Uh, well done, Clay. <laughs> uh, well, this is David. I, I guess I can uh, start to answer other than over, uh, coveralls, but... Um, the uh, you know for us when we when we started this our mission was that let's revive and have the rebirth and and, and uh, renaissance of White Sulphur Springs. Mm -hmm. This is one small town in America, right? There's so many out there that really are hungry for a rebirth. Mm -hmm. they're, 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 it's needed. It's you know small town America is the backbone of of the of America. I mean it's it's, it's where we're at. So. Um, we want to do what we can to be part of that. It, it may not be at this scale. Um, it will be at this footprint. It will have music. It will have food. And by God, it will have beer. And um, <laughs> yeah. it will have good beer. And, you know, that's really where we'll go with it. I mean, there's a book out there, and it talks about the key 10 things that need to be on a Main Street. And uh, a local brewery is right there, um, number one, usually. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's, it's cool. We, you know, we, we were talking about events a second ago. And our events, you know, Clay, myself, and JW will stand there in the middle of an event, and we'll look at each other, and we'll go, Wow. Every time it does not get it, it doesn't get old, and it just keeps getting more exciting. We go, wow, guys, look what we've look what we've done. Yeah, it's and exciting. So just to continue to grow that and just that excitement. But the the thing is the demographic of people that are there. There's all races, all ages, all 
all walks of life mm-hmm. are there together. And that's what breweries really, I think, promote. And, mm-hmm. and that energy of we're together, we're a community. Mm-hmm. And if we can get that to just kind of, you know, pulsate out and, and take over. And you see that in White Sulphur. Mm-hmm. This community is so tight and solid that they support anything that comes into this town. So for me, growth-wise, we, we're already looking at some other small towns, um, some big towns, um, including Charleston. That's good um, to hear. We're, we're, we're going to get out there. And so we've got our feet under us. You know, we've got our foundation solid. Um, the beer just keeps getting better. Um, JW such a perfectionist. I'll taste one and go, oh, this is good. And he'll go, nah, not good <laughs> enough. And nobody else will say that because they're, they're such drinkable. I mean, quality wet goods, you, you can't say it any better. But the team we have, David and JW, um, of course, it, it's, it's mind-blowing um, how much care they put into the perfection of their art. And it's just absolutely phenomenal. You have anything to add to that, Clay? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, it was Saturday night we were here, and I was sitting up on the stage sort of looking. During the night, I roamed to make sure everybody, all the teams got their stuff they need, and somebody stopped me and said, hey, are you, are you happy with the weekend? And I said, look out here. How can you mm-hmm. not fucking be happy? <laughs> I mean, this is what we're going for. Sure. Right. And, and, but, and I know I've been talking a lot about the events and the music, but you cannot have a successful brewery and a successful music venue based around a brewery without your beers being spot on. Sure. And everybody that's come here has said, these are the best, most consistent beers every time. I mean, and, and these people are, are beer geeks. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's where, I mean, you can do all the fluff. You can make a car look good, but if it doesn't run, it doesn't run. Mm-hmm. So the beer is what we're still, it's still our backbone. Before we wrap it up, Dave, Clay, is there anything that you would like to add? Uh, there's a lot I could add, but I tell you, so, you know, one thing that I just want to say, everybody knows that I love the partners that I have, um, not only here in this building, JW and Clay are phenomenal, but the partnerships we have with the community, with the city government, with the local um, businesses, it's just phenomenal for us, and um, just want to say thank you to them, you know, with you guys are great for coming out, I love what you do as well, promoting you know, what JW is putting out and Dave is phenomenal. You know, the cool thing I was talking about demographics with the events and, you know, there's, I've had not had one person walk in here and me not be able to hand them one of our 15 beers so that there's so many flavor profiles, oh, right? Sure. Oh, yeah. I only drink this. Well, I only drink this. Well, try drinking this. Mm-hmm. And they're like, wow, that's, you know, everything from the Foreman to Bow Red to Sudsy, which is my beer, of course. Um, I'm honored to have a beer with my face on it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, but anyways, but seriously, the everything that, that we make here is, or yeah, we make here is just absolutely phenomenal, um, especially the memories. And so, you know, I, I encourage everybody to come out and help, help us make memories with them and for them, and we appreciate it. I'll add a little bit more on the business side of it because okay. uh, we all – have spouses and partners and but every day you get hit up from someone else mm-hmm. saying hey i need you to get this license you need to do this music thing oh nope you got to do another fee here and it's an annual fee and whatnot and it's a hard business sure and uh, everybody thinks let's throw a brew together i brew at home let's go for it and it is stressful and it is hard and there's a lot of costs associated with it but it is 
when it comes out well, it's it's all worth it. It's all worth it in the end. And uh, and it is good to have partners that you can rely on and talk to, and not just business partners, life partners that you can work with and talk to and banner ideas. And then uh, there are um, mentors that you can talk to and say, hey, what do you think about this? And oh, people, sure. We're not building anything brand new. We're reinventing the wheel from somewhere else or cutting and pasting from somewhere else and, uh, and improving on those models and those designs. It's got to be good to have that support. So, there. It really Everybody is. needs that. The community support around here has been immeasurable and we would not be anywhere close to where we are without really good friends and without great community support and government support. Well, we here at West Virginia Beer Roads and Brilliant Stream wish you guys the best of luck. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you all for coming down. This is a perfect way to celebrate. Cheers. Drink up. This brings us to the close of another podcast. Remember, you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast host. Thank you for listening to West Virginia Beer Roads. West Virginia Beer Roads is a production of BrilliantStream.com.